Wednesday, September 5th, 2012, episode number 15 of Football Nation Today with Alex Reamer on FootballNation.com. Football is back. Welcome inside episode 15 of the Football Nation Today podcast with yours truly, Alex Reamer. Available on footballnation.com and for download in the iTunes store, please subscribe to the Football Nation Today podcast and the other great shows available on footballnation.com in the iTunes store if you have yet to do so. It's been 15 weeks, 15 long weeks without football. It is finally back. The offseason is over. The summer is over. No more mini camps. No more training camps. No more preseason games. Opening night tonight, primetime NBC, defending Super Bowl champion New York Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Should be a tremendous spectacle. Awesome game. Awesome atmosphere. Everything is perfect. Everything is right in the sporting universe. The NFL is back. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's not right. There is something missing. Something's not going to be there. There's going to be no Ed Hockley. There's going to be no Mike Carey. There's going to be no real referees. The NFL owners have decided to open up the season with these replacement officials. And these goons, these 1AA rejects, these lingerie bowl rejects, thought that officiating a game in front of a local television audience, in front of an apathetic crowd, who all received tickets from friends of friends of friends of friends of friends of friends. They thought that was a big deal? (laughs) My goodness, they ain't seen nothing yet. In front of an NBC crowd on primetime, tens of thousands of screaming fans in the seats, all liquored up for a Wednesday night game. (laughs) They thought the coaches got them hard for week three of the preseason for the big dress rehearsal game. Well, uh, this isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing, boys. Can't change a call now if a, if a coach argues against you. You know, I thought a local television audience was a big deal. How about primetime on NBC in front of tens of millions of Americans? How about that? And internationally, too. This stuff is syndicated, my man. Huh. These groups will be seen throughout the world internationally. It will be the talk of the town on Thursday, wherever you are. Wherever you may be, the talk will not be about the Giants. It will not be about the Cowboys. And we know about America's fascination with the Cowboys. Still, even after more than a decade of playoff futility. No, no. The talking point after the game tomorrow night, I can guarantee you this on the morning of NFL opening day, will be the replacement officials. Hope the NFL owners enjoy their 60 grand or whatever it is they're saving from not allowing the real referees to step on the field as soon as possible in week one. So that's going to be a big factor for the league. Another factor, aside from the public perception standpoint, there's going to be less money in Vegas this weekend than any other opening weekend in recent history. Because if you were a serious gambler, a serious sports better, a shark, a whale, someone who moves the lines, you know, betting five figures on a game, no big deal, five figures, six figures routinely. If you're one of these whales in the industry, these sharks, these titans of the industry, you're really going to throw all this money around? When you don't know about the big variable of the referees, you don't know what's going to sway these guys, how the game's going to be called, how the game's going to move. The NFL is going to take a massive hit in Vegas over the weekend. Hell, they probably are already feeling it tonight for Giants-Cowboys. And if that doesn't move the needle, the lack of uh, the lesser attention in Vegas, if that doesn't move the needle for these NFL owners, then I don't know what's going to do it. My prediction is, my fearless prediction in regards to this, and a show full of predictions, the 2012 Football Nation Today podcast season preview. I know you've been all waiting with bated breath for this. First prediction of many today, it's going to be so bad from a public perception standpoint, Vegas, everything. The NFL owners are going to cave and cave hard. We'll have the real referees back, if not in week two, then definitely by week three. Football Nation Today podcast, we've been here since May taking you through the NFL offseason. Throughout the season, same deal, published every Wednesday, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer, going to interview Football Nation contributors and other football analysts throughout the season, as we did throughout the offseason. This is a place, I can tell you right now, you're not going to hear the best X's and O's analysis. I never played football, never will play professional football. I don't pretend to. Um, 
This is a place where you're going to hear, hopefully, some really good in-depth commentary. Hopefully, you find it insightful. But above all else, hard opinions, good commentary. I want an interactive environment as well. Always feel free to leave your comments on the show page at footballnation.com. Hit me up on Twitter. AlexDreamer1 is my Twitter handle. My email is areamer at bu.edu. Drop me a line there if you feel so inclined. I want the show to be a community show, an interactive show. I want your thoughts to be heard each and every week throughout the various means you can use to contact me. And this is a place where hopefully you can listen to the show at work, listen on your iPod, your iPhone, however you listen to a podcast. Sit back for 30 to 45 minutes, get some hard opinions. Again, hopefully some insightful analysis you haven't heard elsewhere. Maybe you'll enjoy a guest we bring on. I want this to be your show, though. Send me any recommendations you may have. Uh, There's a lot of media out there, especially in regards to football. On the site, there are a lot of options to choose from. We thank you for choosing the Football Nation Today podcast throughout the offseason. And hopefully you continue to check it out throughout the season. Each week we're going to review some of the biggest storylines from the past week. Look forward to the biggest storylines of the upcoming week in NFL football. Uh, but this show is about hard opinions and hard analysis. So hopefully you join us for uh, what should be a hell of a ride throughout what should be a hell of a 2012 NFL season. Now it's a bit of a tradition of mine on my Red Sox podcast without a curse. <laughs> How about those socks? Want to get me in a foul mood? <laughs> Even a fouler mood than I was talking about the replacement officials talk about my Red Sox with me. My goodness. But on that show, without a curse, before each season, I give you my MLB predictions for that upcoming year. Figured I'd carry that tradition over to Football Nation today on the eve of the regular season. Opening weekend, of course, is a few short days away. Uh, Going to lay out my predictions for you. Tell you division winners. Some quick analysis, quick opinions on each team heading into the year. Have my Super Bowl uh, preview as well. Should be a good way to get back into the swing of things, familiarize ourselves with all these storylines again, and get forward to, again, and look forward to, again, what should be a terrific season. Hopefully you'll be with us here at Football Nation today. We'll be back in just a moment. Do not go anywhere. Again, this show, this specific show, the 2012 NFL Prediction Show, isn't as much about my specific predictions as it's about getting the conversation going for opening night tonight and heading into the opening weekend just a couple of short days from now. Let's start off with the AFC East, and let's talk about the New England Patriots, who I have winning this division as they, you know, the division they've dominated for over a decade that will not change this season. I have the Patriots at 14-2. and two. Um... It's a soft regular season schedule for the Patriots this year. They open up at Tennessee, then they face Arizona. It's a weak division, the AFC East this year, even weaker than recent years as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It's a real soft regular season schedule for the Patriots this season. Their toughest stretch doesn't come to the middle of December when they play San Francisco and Houston back-to-back. So you couple a soft regular season schedule with an offense that should rival the productivity of the record-setting 2007 squads, and I think that leads the Pats, the best record in the AFC. This training camp, there were some questions that were brought up. Uh, the offense looks a bit different now on September 5th than we thought than it, than it looked on August 5th. Jabbar Gaffney, Dante Stallworth, Deion Branch, all three veteran receivers, all three have been in the system before. All three have a good rapport, and in Branch's case, a great rapport with Brady. And all three, as of this recording, have been cut and not signed back. Patriots did trade did trade for Greg Salas, a receiver from St. Louis last season, who right now on the depth chart behind Wes Welker and Brandon Lloyd is slotted to be New England's third receiver. Offensively speaking, the Patriots rely on the tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, who signed the five-year extension last week. Hernandez being paid more like a wide receiver, got actually more guaranteed money than Gronkowski. So we'll see how Aaron Hernandez is used. Patriots also have Daniel Fels and Vasante Shanko under contract too. Um, it's not quite what we thought it was going to be in the beginning of August. The offense now resembles more of what it was last year, so I'm not sure. If they're going to touch those seven totals, but they should still blow up plenty of teams. The soft schedule. I think the Pats have the best record in the conference this year in the regular season. But I talked about some of the questions in training camp. It's not just the turnover in regards to wide receiver. It's the offensive line. As of this recording, as of this recording, excuse me, veteran right guard Brian Waters has not come back. He did not show up to training camp. The early speculation was that Bill Belichick was just giving him some time off, as many coaches do give to veterans, Belichick included. 
But August kept ticking and ticking and ticking away. And the game started and the games ended. And Brian Waters still did not show up to Foxborough. And now rookie linebacker Dante Hightower has actually been given Brian Waters' number 54. So we'll see if that's a sign for anything. I don't know. So if Waters isn't going to return, the offensive line is still in flex on week one. Nate Solder, second-year player at the University of Colorado, struggled mightily at left tackle this preseason, which many around here with the Patriots took for granted. Matt Light was not one of the best left tackles in the league, but he was a more than solid left tackle. Brady's blindside was protected nine times out of ten. Elite pass rushers did beat White, especially in his latter years, but he did a terrific job week in, week out. And now that can't be taken for granted anymore. And obviously the biggest portion of any offense, especially in today's NFL, is the pass protection game, the offensive line. The Patriots' offensive line was in flux all throughout the preseason. Without Brian Waters there at right guard, Nate Solder still at left tackle as of this recording, the O-line could be a problem for the Patriots this year. Curious to see how that plays out. And also, the secondary. Steve Gregory's there, a veteran. But other than that, it's the same cast of characters. Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Kyle Arrington, uh, uh, Sterling Moore. A lot of young guys have now been in the system two, three years. Are they going to take that next step? They've been together two Three years in a lot of cases is the secondary, which was awful last year. Make no mistake about it. Are they going to improve this season as well? After watching four games of preseason action, I'm not so sure of that. So there are questions with the Patriots. O-line, will the secondary make that next jump? They also released veteran Jonathan Finane, who they signed. The Pats are coming back, essentially, with the same team that went to the Super Bowl last season with... Two first-round rookies on defense, Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower. I think they'll be enough to blow through the regular season. But some of those questions from a year ago still remain now on opening weekend. And we'll see if those questions linger throughout the year. The Buffalo Bills. I have second in the AFC East at 10-6. and six. Not, I won't be that as long with each team, but of course here in New England, Patriots follower. So there's the extended Patriots analysis. But the Buffalo Bills, I have second in the conference and in the division, excuse me, at 10 and 6. Uh, the Bills had an interesting offseason. The settings of Mario Williams and Mark Anderson, to me, were made, well, obviously to improve the Bills' pass rush. But what's Tom Brady's biggest nightmare? A good pass rush. And the Bills now have that with Mark Anderson and especially Mario Williams. And the Buffalo now has been transformed to the Patriots' worst nightmare. A team that can consistently put Brady under pressure. The Bills beat New England in Week 3 last season at Buffalo. So, the Bills geared up this year to make a legitimate run at the Patriots. And, they're definitely the Patriots' worst nightmare. They can get to Brady and wreak havoc back there with Williams and Anderson. It remains unclear, though, if Ryan Fitzpatrick in the offense can remain mistake-free all the way through the season. Last year, and in previous years, as of late, the Bills have gotten off to good starts in the first quarter of the season. And the mistakes have mounted up. The lapses began to occur. And they were a 500 team from week 4-5 on out. In order to put for Buffalo to make that next step, be a double-digit win team, be a serious playoff contender, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the offense have to consistently hold up their end of the bargain. Talking to you, Stevie Johnson. No ludicrous end zone celebrations to get you suspended and fined and, you know, have your team, you know, get, get penalized. No, no, you don't want to get penalized after you score a touchdown, my man. The Bills have to be more consistent offensively. Their behavior on the field has to be less erratic on all sides of the ball. That could be the only thing still holding them back from legitimately making that next step. I had the Jets finishing third in the AFC East at 6-10. Make no mistake, this will be a train wreck. We've covered this extensively throughout the offseason on this show. So I won't spend too much time on the Jets here. All I'll say is, contentious feelings reign supreme among Jets personnel. And instability rules all facets of the offense. A boisterous Rex Ryan. A sniping locker room. The New York media. And the presence of Tim Tebow will keep the Jets in the spotlight all season long, and they, my friends, will melt. Even a still-respectable defense won't be able to save them. It's going to be a sub-500 season in New York, and it's going to be a disastrous one at that. Major changes will be made at the end of the 2012 regular season. I see a 6-10 and 10 year in line for the men in green. 
ICA's 3-13 season in line for the Miami Dolphins. Rookie Ryan Tannehill's season will mirror David Carr's rookie campaign in Houston a decade ago. There are questions on the right side of the offensive line, and Tannehill has few, has few weapons at receiver to choose from. Absolutely no playmakers on that roster at all, and that is a must to compete in today's NFL. If it weren't for a defense featuring Cameron Wake and a steady veteran linebacker core, uh, this season in Miami could challenge the one-win season from years ago in terms of futility, but at least they're going to do it with Tannehill under center, infusing young guys on defense, has some younger guys on offense as well. Jake Long is still one of the better left tackles in the game. Uh, so there are some bright spots in Miami. New coach Joe Philbin hopefully will be there for the long haul. I liked what I saw from Philbin on hard knocks. I think his new innovative practice was great, having instead of you know, the two teams, the first unit, second unit playing simultaneously. I think that was an innovative way for Philbin to run practice. Owner Stephen Ross is committed to putting the Dolphins on the big stage. Now, does that mean he's go now? Does that mean he's going to let the uh, the the allure of the stars distract him from making the proper football decisions? The jury still be determined on that. But Stephen Ross is not going to settle for mediocrity. Unfortunately, that's what the Dolphins will be at best this season. But there are some building blocks there. The new coach Joe Philbin, the rookie quarterback Ryan Tannehill, Stephen Ross, the owner's the X factor. The Dolphins are going to be bad this year. Real bad. Is he going to stick with the plan? Stick with Philbin? Stick with Tannehill? Stick with the younger core they have? Or this offseason, he's going to go all Dan Snyder on us, sign a bunch of veteran free agents to awful contracts, and guarantee the Dolphins will be forever 7-9 or 8-8. Eight eight. We'll see. But this year, there won't be anywhere close to that 3-13. and 13. It'll be interesting to see how Steven Ross handles a year of futility and if he will deviate from the long-term plan because we know how committed he is to making the Dolphins the big thing in Miami. AFC North, I have the Steelers taking this division with a 11-5 record. The defense, though a bit older, remains stout. James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Troy Palomalu, Ziggy Hood's going to start this year. You know the names, and the thing about an aging defense is, yes, they're older, but in terms of a guy like Woodley, Palomalu, Harrison, a lot of guys on that Pittsburgh defense are getting closer to the back nine. Each extended playoff run they make could be their last. And that's going to be their mindset. If they remain healthy throughout the season, I would expect their play to amp up come the end of December and to January. That's those kind of guys are wider. No, that's an intangible, but I think it's one that matters. It almost led Baltimore to the Super Bowl last season. Uh, new offensive coordinator Todd Haley must inject life into an offense that dropped to 21st in points scored last season. I, ben Roethlisberger as a person, <laughs> I won't say my thoughts on that. In terms of Ben Roethlisberger as a football player, I think he's a winner. I think he's terrific. I'd have Roethlisberger on my team any day of the week. I don't think Mike Wallace missing camp is as big a deal as some have made it out to be. He does have to learn a new playbook with Todd Haley, but for the first few weeks, Mike Wallace can only you know have half the plays in. Then that will slowly get inserted as the weeks go on. I don't think that will be as big of an issue, especially with Antonio Brown developing as a legitimate number two target. There's a question at running back. Willie Parker's not there. Isaac Redman, as of right now, is slated to be the number one back. There are questions on the offensive line, too. That remains a concern, and you want to keep Roethlisberger protected. The style he plays, he's prone to injury. But I look at the Steelers' defense. It remains stout, though it's a bit older. Todd Haley's track record everywhere he's gone, from Arizona to Kansas City, or at least early on in Kansas City, those teams have improved immensely offensively. Uh, I expect the Steelers' offense to be more dynamic this season, unless I see an 11-5 year in AFC North uh, title. Second place in capturing the first of two wild cards. Will be the Cincinnati Bengals at 10 and 6. For the first time in a long time, the Bengals will return to the postseason in consecutive seasons, and they have achieved stability. The offense, headed by new coordinator Jay Cruden, should blossom with Andy Dalton and AJ Green together for another season. But the club's hallmark may be its defense. We all talk about Dalton and Green, and some of the other guys, Jermaine Gresham, who Cincinnati has coming back offensively, but I think the hallmark of this team could be its defense which remains largely intact from last season and is littered with productive veterans. At every position, Carlos Dunlap on the D-line, Manny Lawson, May Ray Malayuga at linebacker, Nate Clemens, Leon Hall, and others in the secondary. Marvin Lewis is a defensive-oriented guy. For the first time in a long time, decades, the Bengals have achieved stability, and I see them riding 
That stability to a 10-6 season and their second consecutive postseason berth. Third in the division and out of the playoffs will be the 8-8 eight eight Baltimore Ravens. Ray Rice remains one of the best backs in football. He'll be featured extensively in the passing game this year as well as he's always been. But Joe Flacco, in my opinion, will never be the leader of a, never mind dynamic offensive attack, but hell above average offensive attack. I keep going back to this example when talking about the Ravens, but in the AFC title game last year, Julian Edelman, a slot receiver, was covering Anquan Bolden, and it took Joe Flacco, Cam Cameron, and everyone affiliated with Baltimore nearly the entire game to see that, oh my god, a slot receiver is covering Anquan Bolden. Throw him the ball. <laughs> so, when I saw something like that, John Harbaugh did a terrific job last year, but he mismanaged the clock towards the end of the AFC title game last season as well. I think the I think the Ravens coaching staff and game plan is a little overrated, to be honest with you. And I think Flacco coming into the year is certainly overrated. He has a big arm, but he's not mobile. He's not quick in the pocket. His decision-making still isn't there. He's been in the league for years now. Flacco is what he is, an average to slightly above average regular season quarterback, and I think at times even less than that in the postseason. So the Ravens are still going to have to rely on their defense, and it's a defense this year that will be without Terrell Suggs on the PUP list. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are another year older. They had their big run last year, played deep into January. Do they have another run in them this season? And to this point... Underachieving young guys at key slots. Paul Kruger is supposed to step in for Terrell Suggs. But he's been a disappointment thus far in his NFL career. The Ravens did cut Billy Cundiff. That's a plus for them. But that's where the pluses end as far as uh, postseason reminders. Because I have the Ravens at 8-8 eight eight this year, taking a slight step back and finishing out of the playoffs. And then fourth in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns at 4-12. It's another overhaul in Cleveland where three rookies will start in key slots on defense. And an offense will try to improve upon its, dis its dismal 13.6 points per game average last season with a rookie QB, Brandon Whedon, who I know is 28. Maybe the learning curve will be a little less for Whedon than it is for other rookie quarterbacks such as Tannehill in Miami. But it's still a rookie QB with a rookie running back in Tony Richardson. No weapons to speak of at wide receiver. Joe Thomas is a great offensive lineman, but skill positions leave a lot to be desired in Cleveland. 13.6 points per game. That's it last year. I don't see it getting much better this year. And thus I see a 4-12 year in line for the Browns. AFC South. In a post-Peyton Manning Colts era. Year 2. Once again I see the Texans winning a lot of games. And taking this division. I have Houston at 13-3. The continued emergence of J.J. Watt and Brooks Reed. Will make up for the losses of Mario Williams and D'Amico Ryans on defense. The offense remains prolific, and Matt Schaub, back under center, is playing for a contract. Arian Foster is one of the best running backs in football. Andre Johnson is one of the best wide receivers in football. Matt Schaub, statistically speaking, is in that category or bordering on elite quarterback status in the NFL, at least regular season speaking. Fantasy speaking, I like to say, from a statistical perspective. But in the regular season, it's a relatively weak division with the AFC South. I see the Texans winning a lot of games. I think their defense is built perfectly for today's NFL. May allow some yards, may allow some points, but ultimately they have the guys who will make the plays that need to be made. They have big playmakers who can rush the passer. That's the most important thing about a defense in today's NFL. We'll talk about that a bit later on with Green Bay. I have the Texans at 13-3, and capturing the AFC South. I have the Titans at 9-7. and Jake Walker has an elite running back to rely on with Chris Johnson. A receiving core that can stretch the field. Kenny Britt, once he gets over his suspension. Nate Washington's there. Has an elite offensive line. Uh, it's a solid defense. And a weak division. Should make this a winning season in Tennessee. I have Jake Locker and the Titans actually going 9-7 in 2012. I have the Colts at 6-10. Yes, I think Andrew Luck will double Peyton Manning's win total in his rookie year. It won't always be pretty. The offensive line has undergone immense turnover. I believe their center, right guard, and right tackle, all new from a season ago. The defense is in the first year of a new 3-4 scheme as well. But Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney have seemed to buy into that. And above all else, I've spoken about this before too, 
The era has changed in Indy, and Luck will be given ample time to learn and grow on the job. He has a new coach in Chuck Pagano. He has new coordinators, largely as a new team. And the few veterans on offense especially who did come back, like Reggie Wayne, voluntarily did so. Wayne signed with the Colts knowing Manning wasn't going to be throwing him the football. You know, Jeff Saturday, Dallas Clark, a lot of Manning mainstays, Pierre Garçon, a lot of those guys left. It's Andrew Luck's team. And he'll be given ample time to learn and grow on the job. And I think he will. I have him doubling Peyton's wing total from his rookie year. Manning went 3-13. and I think the Colts under Luck go 6-10. and and I have the Jaguars bringing up the rear at 5-11. and 11. New owner Shahid Khan revamped Jacksonville's home locker room with a $3 million renovation this offseason. They have all sorts of gadgets and gadgets in there. But as long as Blaine Gabbard is under center, <laughs> there won't be many champagne parties taking place in the Jaguars' state-of-the-art facility. 5-11 season for Jacksonville. Maurice Jones-Jew did return from his holdout. He's going to be a third down back. That's a word out of Jacksonville in week one. Then build on it from there. We'll watch some Reese Jones do contract situation this season. That's going to be undoubtedly the biggest storyline with Jacksonville. The status of Maurice Jones Drew going forward. Because there's not going to be much to look at on the field. I see a 5-11 season for the Jaguars. And ample rumors as to whether they will move to Los Angeles. The AFC West is a fascinating division this year. A tough one to prognosticate. I have Kansas City finishing at the top at 11-5. Jamal Charles, Eric Berry, the safety, and Matt Castle return to a team that remarkably, without their contributions, without Charles and Berry entirely, and without Castle for several weeks, finished 7-9 last season and played well in December. New coach Romeo Cornell now has his playmakers back on defense and offense. Glenn Dorsey is another year older. And a strong finish on his side to lead Kansas City to the postseason. That's right. The Chiefs were respectable last year without Charles and Castle and Eric Berry. They were building a momentum at the end of the year. I think Dwayne Bowe's a beast at wide receiver. I like the defense. They didn't make a lot of big plays last year under Todd Haley in the previous regime. But once Cornell took over, totally new look defense. more. Big plays out of them. Eric Berry will be back calling shots in the secondary. I like Kansas City to blossom to an 11-5 team this year and a playoff team as well. I have the Broncos finishing second at 10-6 and, and capturing the second AFC wildcard. With a first-month schedule that includes games against Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and Houston, the Broncos may get off to a slow start. But I think over time, come October, Peyton Manning will regain his footing and lead Denver to the playoffs. And this defense will finally consistently play with the lead. It's what they're built to do best with pass rushers Elvis Dumerville and Von Miller. Those guys will be set loose. They'll wreak havoc in the backfield, playing with the leads. They were built to play with the leads. Manning will find his footing by October. Broncos will finish strong, and they'll finish in the postseason. I have the Chargers at 7-9 and in missing the playoffs. Here's the thing about San Diego. We're so used to them being perpetual underachievers. You know the saying, Super Bowl caliber talent, can't put it together. Here's the thing, though, about the Chargers in the year 2012. It was true of them last year, too, in 2011. The Super Bowl caliber talent is no longer there. Darren Sproles and Michael Turner are long gone. Vincent Jackson now is gone. On defense, Sean Merriman, gone. A lot of that defensive line from years ago, gone. It's a worse team. It's not a very good team. With a good coach, there's enough talent there to week to eke out a 9-10 win season and maybe a postseason berth. But they don't have a good coach. They have North Turner. Still. A guy who does not get the most out of his talent. Out of a Super Bowl caliber team, North Turner got a first or second round postseason exit. Out of a mediocre team on paper, North Turner is going to get a mediocre season which means 7-9, and 8-8, eight and, eight, and another missed playoff. The Raiders are six, uh, will be 6-10 and 10 and finish last in the AFC West. There's a new head coach, Dennis Allen, new coordinators. Tell me you've heard that story before, huh? <laughs> There's individual talent, but it is undetermined how well the team will gel. The quarterback, Carson Palmer, will be 33 at the year's end. He's mediocre. 
Made up through a lot of interceptions last season in Oakland. Oh, you've heard that story before too? Well, it ends for the 10th consecutive year and missed playoff berth for the Raiders. That's the AFC for you. Time for the NFC and always one of the more competitive divisions in the conference, if not all of football, the NFC East. And the NFC this year, like last year, immensely more competitive than the AFC. A lot less mediocrity in the NFC. A lot of real strong teams. Or you could pick five or six teams to legitimately go to the Super Bowl and have a real legit argument for each team. Uh, the Giants made the Super Bowl last year out of the NFC. They won the thing as well. Their second Super Bowl title since 2007. And the Giants this year will return to the postseason, winning the AFC NFC East at a 12-4 clip. It's easy to forget that the Giants began last season 7-7. Seven Tom Coughlin was on the verge of getting fired. Remember that? And then they won six six and then they won six straight games, including the Super Bowl. Now, the mediocre regular season does appear to be an anomaly. Because the Giants have won 68 games since 2005, the most in the NFL. And they're a team that seems to be built perfectly for today's league. They now have an elite quarterback in Eli Manning. And an elite pass rush filled with playmakers. Osu Yuminura, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka. The list goes on and on. GM Jerry Reese is often criticized come the draft. He doesn't draft for need. He drafts talent. Last year he drafted Prince and Mukamara. Well, now Prince and Mukamara steps in. He'll be a starting cornerback on that team. Uh, they did take hit at receiver. Mario Manningham has departed. But Akeem Nix is still there. Victor Cruz is still there. Ahmad Bradshaw desperately hopes to improve on a subpar season in 2011. I think he will. It's going to be more pass-oriented offense this year for the Giants, as it should be, as Eli Manning has blossomed into a league's elite quarterback. They have the stability at head coach, the stability in the front office, an elite quarterback, a great passing game, a defense filled with legit playmakers, pass rushers. The Giants have the formula to win in today's NFL, and they will do a lot of that this season. They'll return to the playoffs with a 12-4 record. I have the Cowboys finishing second in the NFC East at 10-6. And, and yes, I also have Dallas making the playoffs after missing out last season. The team was far better on paper than on the field last year. But as I said, that will change to an extent in 2012. The key to the Cowboys, in my opinion, is the two additions they made in the secondary. Veteran Brandon Carr and rookie Morris Claiborne. Those two guys are capable of being left on an island to cover receiver one-on-one, -on -one, at least on paper. Allowing Rob Ryan's defense to bring maximum pressure up front. DeMarcus Ware is a hybrid, you know, the Robert Mathis type, Dwight Freeney type, what the culture really hope to emulate up there in Indianapolis with their new scheme. Uh, DeMarcus Ware is a beast. He'll be let loose on the quarterbacks this year with Claiborne and Carr back there in the secondary. Rob Ryan's defense will bring maximum pressure up front. And speaking of pressure, the pressure on quarterback Tony Romo will be eased. By the emergence of running back DeMarco Murray, the Cowboys under Jason Carrot, his second year as the head coach, hope to get more physical. DeMarco Murray brings the physicality on offense, and it will lead the Cowboys to a playoff caliber season. They'll be more about defense and running the football this year, back to basics, and they'll win at a relatively high clip, going 10-6 and and capturing a wild card. I have the Eagles at 7-9 and and missing the playoffs. That's right, I do. Individually. The Eagles are the most talented team in the division, if not the entire NFC. Go on down the line. Mike Vick, Sean McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck at, at tight end. You know, offensive line, individually, some talent there. On defense, uh, Namdi Asamoah in the secondary, D'Amico Ryans now at linebacker. Uh, they addressed the front seven via the draft with some high draft picks. Andy Reid, a big name at head coach. But collectively, it is still unclear as to whether the Eagles can play together. I watched them this preseason, and what I saw was a team that still committed frequent penalties, still had frequent mental lapses, and did not frequently play, here's that cliche, winning football. And as Mike Vick enters his 30s, and his playing style doesn't dramatically change, He's likely to spend more time on the IR than the field. I think Deshaun Jackson, though he does have a new deal, is a knucklehead. Anybody, any professional athlete, especially professional football player, just because of what you need to succeed in that environment, who dogs it at all in the regular season, 
in my opinion, will never be a part of a team that wins at a high level. I think there's too many Deshaun Jacksons on the Eagles roster. Flashy guys, talented guys with 10-cent brains and 10-cent football character. I have another disappointing year for Philadelphia. Hell, I have them at 7-9. and nine. I don't like the mix there. I just don't. Redskins will bring up the rear at 5-11. and 11. Will be an interesting year in D.C. with Robert Griffin III, RG3 under center. He'll be asked to do just about everything on offense, just as Cam Newton was last season in Carolina. It's rare, however, for a rookie QB who's asked to do everything to experience the success Newton did with the Panthers last season. It's more likely Griffin takes his lumps and the Redskins struggle to the finish line. As this recording, I believe Tim Hightower is slated to be the starting running back in Washington. So Robert Griffin III isn't just going to be asked to lead the team in the passing game, but also in the rushing game. I see a 5-11 season for Washington in the NFC East. It also doesn't help that they play in the toughest conference in football. NFC North is giving the NFC East a, rival, a run for its money, though, as far as the toughest conference in football. Three teams could conceivably not only make the playoffs, but make deep playoff runs. Out of those teams, they have the Green Bay Packers capturing the division with a 12-4 record. The offense for Green Bay last season, you know the story, led the league with 560 points. They were third in total yards, 405.1 yards per game. The defense, however, was towards the bottom of the league in almost every category. Finished last, last in opponents' total yards, 411.6 uh, per game. They allowed more yards than they gained. And they surrendered 22.4 points per game as well. We know the offense will be elite with Aaron Rodgers, everything they have going on there. Good offensive line to protect Rodgers, which is always important. Scott Wells, all those guys. The key to a deep playoff run for Green Bay, and repeated their Super Bowl title from just two seasons ago, will be the defense. And not if the defense dramatically improves last season. Frankly, it doesn't really matter. If the defense still allows 380, 309, I don't think he can allow 411 yards per game, but if they allow 370, 380, 390 yards per game, let's go 380, 390, right? Let's put them back towards the bottom of the league. Not that important. What's important in the key to a deep playoff run is if the defense can make the big plays, like they did two years ago. Two years ago, Packers allowed a lot of points, certainly allowed their fair share of yards. But Charles Woodson, Tremont Williams, Nick Collins in the secondary, jumped routes, made big plays, key interceptions at crucial moments. Clay Matthews rushed the passer, got to the quarterback consistently. The addition of rookie pass rusher Nick Perry out of USC, Clay Matthews hopes to regain his form from two seasons ago as well. It doesn't matter, frankly, if the Packers' defense finishes towards the bottom of the league again in points allowed and yards allowed. What matters is that they make the big plays, which they didn't make all that often last season. The Bears are, will be 11-5, and and they, too, will make the playoffs, capturing the second NFC wildcard. With the addition of Brandon Marshall, the Bears have conformed to the rest of the NFL. It's a pass-oriented league. They have a quarterback in Jay Cutler with a monster arm. And now he has a monster target in Brandon Marshall to throw to. The Bears are still the Bears. They still put an emphasis on running the football. Matt Forte has been given a lengthy contract extension. So the Bears will be more balanced offensively than some. And that's a good thing. That's Bears football. And they have a great guy to hand it to in Matt Forte. And they also have Michael Bush as well in the goal line. Who may take away some of Forte's touches in the red zone. Which is good in terms of preserving Forte's long-term health. But here's the reason why I'm bullish on the Bears this year. It's not just Brandon Marshall and a new-look offensive attack. It's the fact that the defense remains strong. And the fact that guys like Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs may be nearing their last go-around. Especially Urlacher. I'm a believer in that. A guy as competitive as Brian Urlacher, the leader he is on that defense, the player he was on that defense, Entering the what could be one of his final years in the NFL. Maybe his final year as a starter in Chicago. It's a crazy league. You know what's going to happen next August once training camp rolls around. Almost a year away. The time is now for a guy like Erlacher. And like Ray Lewis last year. And Ed Reed. I think like Erlacher will step up and step up big. 
and lead that defense to heights it hasn't seen in a couple of years. Charles Tillman still there at the secondary. They have the talent everywhere. Julius Peppers, an elite pass rusher, if not the elite pass rusher in the NFL still, giving Mario Williams a run for his money. It's going to be a ferocious defense in Chicago this year. And I think it will lead the Bears to 11-5 record and a wild card berth. The Lions, I have it 9-7. This is an offensive league, and the Lions will put up a lot of points. Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and they'll finish above 500. They'll win more games than they lose in the regular season because it's an offensive league, and the Lions certainly have offense. But the problem is, this is arguably the NFC's worst defense. And it's not just a bad defense. It's a defense with a bad, with bad character, bad football character. At least Nick Farley is not going to team with uh, Sue up front. The gum to Sue. Nope. Not going to be the, fear, uh, the, 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 the fearsome one-two punch with Sue. He was arrested twice in the offseason and came to training camp out of shape. The secondary has been ravaged by injuries as well. Gunther Cunningham, defensive coordinator, still has nightmares over the shellacking the Lions' defense took against New Orleans last season. And I think the defense will take a lot of shellackings this year as well. I don't see the talent. I don't see the character on that defense. I think the Lions had a bad, bad offseason. They'll still finish above 500 because they'll score a lot of points. But they'll allow a hell of a lot of points. The Bears and Packers should light them up when they meet this season, especially aerially in the passing game. That's why I have the Lions missing out on the postseason. I have the Vikings at 3-13 and and bringing up the rear in the NFC North. They'll struggle mightily offensively, especially with continued concerns over Adrian Peterson's health. A defensive core of Jared Allen, Chad Greenway, and Antoine Winfield will look to keep Minnesota respectable. But with an offense that will still take many lumps, that appears to be quite doubtful. Christian Ponder certainly took his slumps last season in his rookie campaign. Entering his sophomore season in Minnesota now. Still expect him to take a significant amount of lumps. Question, the health of Peterson's a question mark. Jerome Simpson suspended for week one. I see the Lions at 3-13 once again. The NFC South is a wide open division. Anyone you can make an argument for could win, uh, to win it. The team I'm picking, though, is Carolina. I have the Panthers going 11-5 this season. Cam Newton. I have a bit of a man crush on him. He has the look. He has the swag. He has the, he has the makings of a star. And he played like one at times last year, too. Made his share of mistakes. Threw a lot of interceptions. No doubt about it. But he also threw for 4,000 yards. And rushed for 500-plus yards a season ago. And he was a rookie quarterback who was learning a new offense and a lot got short in training camp. Oh yeah, that too. A full year now under the system. A full training camp with the team. All that talent. Newton will limit his mistakes in 2012 and be better, much better than he was in 2011. And he was quite good from a lot of, from a lot of angles. The defense made a litany of mistakes last season too. They finished 28th in yards allowed. But John Beeson will be back at linebacker. Luke Keekley, rookie linebacker from Boston College as well, will look to add to Beeson to make a formidable linebacking core. That should do a lot to augment and improve the defense. And I have the Panthers holding on to win the NFC South at 11-5 this season. The Falcons will be 10-6. And they'll miss the playoffs and finish second in the division. Following a 24-2 routing in the Meadowlands last January, and an 0-3 playoff record since 2008, this team seems to have reached its ceiling. It's do or die time for Matty Ryan and the core of this roster. It's no longer just about making the playoffs, it's about winning in the playoffs. And I'm not sure if the Falcons will even do the former this year. I have them at 10-6 and, and out. The Saints have it 8-8. Eight when I look at the New Orleans Saints, there's just too much turnover for them to get off to a good start. New defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo is installing a new system without the unquestioned leader of the defense, Jonathan Vilma. Now, you can make the argument that Curtis Lofton, in some respects, is a better player than Jonathan Vilma is at this stage in Vilma's career. 
certainly is better in pass coverage. He's quicker, more agile, because he's younger. But Vilma brings that intangible element to the defense. He's the unquestioned leader there. Spagnuolo will be installing a new system without him. Aaron Cromer will serve as the interim interim coach until Joe Vitt takes over after the first six weeks. Drew Brees has a big contract extension, highest paid player in NFL history. Still playing the Dome, still have the myriad of offensive weapons at his disposal. Darren Sproles, Jimmy Graham, Marquise Colston, uh, you know, on and on the list goes. All the weapons New Orleans have New Orleans has. But again, I look at that team, and I just don't think the stability is there early on. They've been through a lot. They'll be through a lot in the first couple of weeks. They have the talent to put it together, but they feel they may put it together too late. I see a 500 season for the Saints in 2012. The Buccaneers will be 6-10. and 10. They improved immensely throughout the offseason. Rookie running back D- Doug Martin, wideout Vincent Jackson, tight end Dallas Clark, left tackle Carl Nix to protect Josh Freeman's blind side, will improve them immensely on offense. But with new coach Greg Schiano, it may take a year for this young roster to fully blossom, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's a competitive division. Tampa Bay will be in a lot of games. They may be in position to play spoiler down the stretch. But I do have them still struggling a bit at times this year and finishing below 500 at 6-10. and 10. The NFC West has traditionally been one of the more mediocre divisions in the league. This year will be no different. The 49ers will capture this easily with a 12-4 record. Very good team in San Francisco. One of the best defenses on paper in the NFC. Love Patrick Willis. Man crush on Cam Newton on offense. Man crush on Patrick Willis at linebacker. I watched the 49ers-Giants playoff game, NFC title game last season, and just how they were hitting. Oh, the ferociousness of those hits. My goodness. The 49ers will make the playoffs handedly. Randy Moss may give the club the dynamic playmaker it needs offensively, but in my humble opinion, it is slightly more likely they take a small step back this season after reaching NFC title game last year. They achieved slightly under new coach Jim Harbaugh. Teams like that, saw Capaccio said it on a show a couple weeks ago, oftentimes take a step back in year two. Maybe they get a little fat and happy after a soft regular season schedule in the division. Also, is Alex Smith the guy? To lead the team to the promised land. I'm still not sure that. It's going to be a good year in San Francisco, 12-4. and four, But they will not take that next step to the Super Bowl. I have Seattle at 9-7 and seven and finishing second. Let's give credit to Pete Carroll for sticking to his word and ensuring there was a legitimate QB competition in camp and Russell Wilson beat out free agent acquisition Matt Flynn. And if all breaks right with a more physical defense, this could be a playoff team in Seattle. Really could. The problem is, it's the NFC. It's a terrific conference this year. A deep conference this year. In some cases, even deeper than it was last year. It's going to be tough for the Seahawks to make the playoffs, but they'll be in it till the end. If all breaks right, they can most certainly be in it until the end. And they still have the best home field advantage in the game, bar none. St. Louis is at 7-9. I have the Rams finishing third. If Sam Bradford is healthy... And Steven Jackson is healthy. If they're both healthy at the same time, imagine that. The Rams will have a much improved offensive attack. Regardless, though, and I love uh, James Laurinaitis at linebacker. Love him. Talk about the prototypical NFL linebacker, right? Regardless, though, new coach Jeff Fisher is certain to get the most out of this roster. The Rams will be respectable almost no matter what happens. I think Jeff Fisher's a good coach for that kind of team, that kind of situation. And if Bradford and Jackson are healthy, they'll be more than respectable. I have St. Louis improving this year and finishing at 7-9. Cardinals will bring up the rear at 5-11. Not having a solidified quarterback position is a death knell in today's NFL, even if Larry Fitzgerald is catching passes. The defense is switching to a new 3-4 system as well. I see it being a rough year in Arizona. They're saving graces. They play in a relatively mediocre division. So they'll get to five, six wins. I have them at five and 11 officially. But I see the Cardinals bringing up the rear. John Skelton's the opening day starter. Again, in today's NFL, you have a QB situation like that. It's a recipe for disaster. 
So quickly here, my final postseason predictions. AFC title game. I have Patriots over Steelers. Patriots will have a first-round bye. Home playoff game in the second round. Pittsburgh comes to Gillette Stadium in the AFC Championship game. I have Patriots over Steelers. In the AFC title game, I have Packers over Giants. I think the defense will regain their playmaking abilities from two years ago. In the Super Bowl, I have Patriots over Packers. And maybe that's me buying into it a little too much. But I firmly believe this offensive line will be better. I believe Nate Soldier will not be a turnstile left tackle all year long. I believe there's a problem. Dante Skarnecchia and Belichick will fix it. The Patriots offensive line has not been an Achilles here for Belichick's decade-plus-long tenure in Foxborough. It will not be one this season. That's not his track record. Bill Belichick teams do not have Achilles heels like that. In the secondary, this young defense is their third year playing together. You add in Dante Hightower, Chandler Jones, two high-impact playmakers, first-round picks. Gerard Mayo there at linebacker again. Will Fork there at nose tackle. Defense did improve in the playoffs last season. They have a soft regular season schedule to get their confidence up. And again, then maybe this is just me buying in a little too much, and feel free to call me out on it. But I think this defense will improve. This will now be, and the guys in the secondary, McCourty, Chung, this will now be their third year together. They'll improve. They almost have to, right? And if they do, ever so slightly from last season, the addition of Hightower and Jones, Patriots have as good a chance as anybody to capture the Super Bowl. And I think they will. Defeating Green Bay this season in New Orleans. enjoyed the very brief, I know almost an hour, but still, by NFL prediction standards, very brief. You could talk about this stuff for hours, if not days on end. But hopefully this got your juices flowing for the football season to start. That's what this episode was meant to do. Episode 15 of Football Nation today with Alex Reamer. As always, feel free to email me, areamer at bu.edu. My Twitter handle is alexreamer1. Leave a comment in the show uh, comment section as well. We appreciate your comments throughout the season. Interactive environment, community environment, hopefully some insightful analysis, some good guests who you enjoy hearing from, but most of all, hard opinions. That's what we hope to bring here on the Football Nation Today podcast, because at the end of the day, we're discussing football, and it's supposed to be fun. And in my opinion, tipping around a point, not getting to the point, Talking X's and O's and football speak is not that fun. What's fun is opinionated, lively banter about America's favorite game, professional football. And that's what we we'll to bring here in the Football Nation Today podcast. Enjoy Giants-Cowboys tonight. Enjoy opening weekend this weekend. We'll be back to talk about the biggest storylines from week one and preview week two next Wednesday. So long. Talk then.